Hey friends, it's Eric Hulkerin, and on this episode of the Everything is Marketing podcast, we talk about the Taylor Effect. Marketers ruin everything. Welcome to the Everything is Marketing podcast. What I don't want to do is to pretend this is show number one. What would the hero of your life's movie do right now? Do that. Do those things. All right, friends. So if you got up this morning and checked your Spotify new release playlist, you might have seen something that looked a little odd to you. It looked like there was a new Taylor Swift song, except you recognize that song other than the fact that in parentheses, it says Taylor's version. And in fact, last night at midnight, Taylor Swift did re-release a re-recording of Love Story that was originally released in 2008. And if you're wondering why did she do that? Well, There's a story there. So before we were all running around trying to invest in GameStop stock, or if you're still trying to figure out how Dogecoin gets to the moon, there was another flavor that was the favorite of investors starting around 2018 into 19. And that was artists' music catalogs. So the backlog of songs that they've recorded, investment funds would buy them as a way to make Money. In fact, there's currently about $3.2 billion invested in music royalties. What does that have to do with Taylor Swift? Well, she started her career with a record label called Big Machine, which was under Universal Music. So in the United States, there's essentially three big companies that own every single subsidiary that owns essentially the record industry. And for Swift, that label, Big Machine, covered from 2006 to about 2017. But in 2018, she struck a deal with Universal, which gave her ownership of her music going forward. Here comes the problem. That next year, Big Machine sold the master recordings to Scooter Braun. Scooter Braun, who you might remember as the manager of Justin Bieber, has had issues with Taylor Swift. She went as far as to accuse him of bullying. At that point, Taylor Swift tries to get her recordings back and can't. And then in November, Scooter sells those masters to an investment firm for $300 million. Again, Taylor has no opportunity to get her music back. But if you've heard me talk about marketing and the three people you should pay attention to if they write a book, you know that one of them is Ryan Reynolds, one of them is Beyonce, and the other is Taylor Swift. And why? Because they all know how to navigate this space better than most. And we don't even have to look that far. Taylor Swift has created what I will say right now, and many have said before me, as the seminal record in peak COVID in folklore. When we look back on music history, I think we will look at that record as a pretty good representation of what we were all feeling as a culture at that particular moment. Now back to why your Spotify playlist has a parenthesis around a song that says Taylor's version. There's a loophole when your masters get sold to a hedge fund that you can work around and Taylor knew this going in and just was sort of waiting to pull the trigger on it. What you have to do is re-record each and every song and re-release them. And once you do that, the value of the original masters shrink and then you have ownership of the new versions of the old songs. And so on April 9th, there will be a new version of Fearless entitled Fearless, Taylor's version. If you're a fan, you can pre-order it right now on her website. It has 26 songs on it, including six new songs. So if you're somebody who is a huge fan and already owns Fearless and doesn't necessarily want to get into the fray of figuring out whether or not Taylor should own the art that she created, there's six new songs that might entice you to reordering 
fearless. So I find this story super interesting because under the terms of most record deals, labels retain the artist master's right, meaning they own the actual sound that the artist makes while they're under contract. So when Taylor is with Big Machine, everything that she records falls under their ownership. So understand that when I say they sold her catalog, they're not selling the recorded music. In most cases, they're just selling the publishing rights. But the problem here is if you're Taylor Swift and you spend a lifetime working on an image, allowing somebody else to have your publishing rights to license your songs to things that perhaps you don't want to be licensed to, can be problematic. Now, when you go back and see in the last six months, the artists that have allowed their catalogs to be purchased in that way, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, Stevie Nicks, and Lindsey Buckingham, RZA, Shakira, etc., they clearly understand the risks of doing that stuff. On the other side, if you're an artist, you're getting paid 10 to 15 times what that catalog is worth. So if you have control over the catalog and can sell it on your own behest, if you're Bob Dylan, monetarily, that makes a lot of sense. But for Taylor Swift, for a branding play, she needs to re-release Fearless to get control back as much as she can of the catalog that has been taken and given to an investment firm. Now, I know normally we don't talk about music per se on the Everything is Marketing podcast, but I just thought this was such an interesting story. And I'm pretty sure if you woke up this morning and looked at your Spotify New Music Friday and went, why is there a parentheses? I thought you might enjoy the story. All right, have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back next week. My name is Eric Hulkerin, and this is the Everything is Marketing podcast.